This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everybody, Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio, and another Aftermarket Weekly. Believe it or not, week 173. We just have so much fun. Week after week, Nicole, we just keep cranking it out. You do. I try to keep up with you. It's hard. That's okay. <laughs> you can always go back and find the time to catch up or just look through all the great stuff we do and say, well, that one is cool. That interests me a lot. Nicole Benikoff is here. Subi Guys, Traverse City, Michigan. Hi, Nicole. Hello. Glad to be here. Uh, Nicole was recently on with our Breaks for Breast 2023 challenge. You were a shop owner that came on and told your story. That is one hell of a video that we did. Thank you so much. What a great cause. Proud to be behind it. We're happy that you're behind it, and we hope that we can continue to spread the word throughout the industry. We have a $400,000 challenge this year, twice of what we collected last year, uh, what breaksforbreasts.com collected, and looking for 500 shops to get involved. So we are confident we're going to reach those numbers, but we can't do it without you guys. And all I want to do is encourage everyone to watch for this episode that's coming out in the video. It's already had way over a 1,000 views in just a short time that we did it. It's got stuff in it that you will probably need maybe a Kleenex to get through it because breast cancer touches almost all of us. I'm going to go on record and say that personally, I have my personal goal to get two other shops involved for this year, at least. That's a great thing, a minimum of two. And, and that's where I think it's going to all work. It's that that combination of those. We know somebody who knows somebody who should be involved in this and, and just let this, this whole networking six degrees of separation work and get this thing going. So a lot of stuff is coming up with me this particular year. I'm going to be down in the Philadelphia area to a doorman mastering the technology class in Warminster campus of ATC in Warminster, PA on September 23rd. I'm doing the keynote there. Also, Tracy and I will be at ASTE September 28th through the 30th and Apex Joe's Garage October 31st through November 2nd. And I'm going to do the keynote at the MAX conference in, in February in Orlando. More about all that stuff coming up. We recently just made a cool, cool change from Dorman OE Fix. Now we're being sponsored by Dorman's Training Center. All great stuff going on there with Dorman, and we sure appreciate that. Dorman Products creates hundreds of new automotive replacement products every month. Part of what makes Dorman so unique? is their ideation of new and innovative products. They have dedicated teams all across the U.S., Mexico, and Canada looking for new product ideas. Since every solution starts with a problem, these teams of researchers, field analysts, product specialists, and contributors consistently visit repair shops and make field calls. Now, this is to best understand the problems the industry is facing. In certain cases, Dorman will manufacture aftermarket replacements so you aren't forced to go back to the OE. Other times, experts take it an additional step, further solving what made the original part problematic in the first place. Solving for a problem is what powers the innovation engine at Dorman. Dorman Products has become an incredible engine for innovation. They are constantly bringing new replacement parts to the automotive industry, and they routinely release tens of thousands of parts across all different categories. Now, why do they do all of this? To enable technicians the freedom to fix their customers' cars and trucks. To do this, Dorman has dedicated teams focused on different aspects of the vehicle to ensure that they are meeting the needs of the aftermarket. 
Although a lot of their parts are reverse engineering of original equipment, they also redesign and redefine solutions such as their loaded knuckles or programmable electronic power steering rack. Dorman has invested in these OE Fix innovations to help you save time, your customer money, and prevent vehicles from coming back to your shop. In certain cases, Dorman will manufacture aftermarket replacements so you aren't forced to go back to the OE. Hey, want to know more about Dorman? Visit dormanproducts.com forward slash tour. Hey, thanks so much, Dorman. Nicole, thank you for coming on. I mean, I remember meeting you for the first time and, and hearing your great story. I think we were in Cancun. It was tough to be there. It was. Yeah, I had been familiar with, obviously, your podcasts and for a long time. But yeah, it was great to meet you there. What a great place. And we were able to record, I think, with my husband, too. Not at the same time. So Nicole comes on a great episode, episode 819, kind of learning how to grow and, you know, your story about you got to stop this insanity of just being comfortable and just get up there. And man, you just found some great avenues of growth. And then your husband was there with you at the conference. He's not in the business with you. And it was really cool that I got Patrick McHugh's wife to come on and your husband to come on to talk about what's it like to be a spouse with a shop owner. And that was episode 818. So that was really cool. Thank you for convincing him to come on the show and do that. Oh, he didn't need to be convinced. <laughs> Tell his story. <laughs> Nicole is here for a specific reason, and that is that we're just going to quarterback. She's got a lot going on in her world, and, and I'm seeing so many trends going on in the industry. I can't tell you 20, 30 different things that are critical and important to our industry. And one of them I, I've recently been talking about is that you need to find a new position in your company called the C. XO, the chief experience officer for, you know, your customer experience officer. And every once in a while, people look at that and say, well, there's no way I could put that someone on staff. And so the next most major thing is, so why can't we all be the CXO, the customer experience officer? We all take on that responsibility. To me, it's great foundation to talk about as far as culture, but I can't imagine that not everyone would put up their hand and says, yeah, I'm all in. Let's do this. Tell us how you guys are doing it. Without a doubt. And one of my passions has always been customer experience. I don't know how to do an oil change on a vehicle, but the importance of the customer and the client when they come in and their whole experience is what has been passionate for me. So we've probably the past four years really dove into this. And as things change, as we learn about our different things that we can do for our clients, we've been trying to implement different situations. We actually do have a client success representative in our business. And Taylor, her name is Taylor. And she, although everybody is, is able to answer the phone in the office, Taylor is the one that organizes the flow of all the communication. There's so much communication that happens right now between clients and you need them to be able to contact us and we need to contact them. So that has actually taken on its own role. So she didn't start as just that, but it has evolved over time. Let me just draw a parallel to having a dispatcher that would ultimately look over and manage workflow, productivity, efficiencies, and would help you drive effective labor rate to have a client success rep on that front end of the company. And I think you're right. The flow of information is overwhelming. It is. In service advisors, right? We want them communicating directly with the client. They often are on the phone for an extended period of time. And so what Taylor and what we found is that this helps us as she's answering phone calls. She can let somebody know somebody called you back. One of our clients called you back. Or she can also assist them with anything such as financing. She's the one responsible for financing. She's the one responsible for making sure that appointment was confirmed 
sending the feedback and request afterwards, and she will facilitate that. We all can look at that information and we all are often on those websites that we can see the, the feedback from the client, but she's the one that, that makes sure at the end of the day that all of that has been checked off. Obviously, she has roles and responsibilities, but is she watching her service advisors and looking for a fall down? And I'm saying weaknesses in a bad thing, but they're on the phone. There's a brand new opportunity. The the service advisors really working this hard. And all of a sudden, the vehicle, the follow up, everything else on this other order that's been now dormant for 45 minutes. Is she kind of watching all that? She does watch. I would say she's the person that watches everything the most. So she may be finding like, do we ever get back to that client? I see that they posted a message. Has anybody gotten back to that? So she definitely does that. Or we have a loaner car available that we could use. Can we get that client into a loaner vehicle to make the day run smoothly? So she's a list person. She loves the checklists and she's detail oriented. And she has also been very responsive to training as far as to come along with the client, to learn to show empathy and really just be the best part of their day for them. Where did you find Taylor? Taylor came to us um, just from an ad. She was originally at a call center at a bank, a credit union. And so we always laugh when Taylor first came to us, she answers the phone the exact same way every time. Very consistent. But as she has grown and we've seen her learn to also be consistent, but also take the art of what the client is saying and blend that with the consistency so she can show empathy too. Well, I think of the fact that she's got a set of antenna that's constantly, (laughs) right? I mean, you'd almost, if you looked at her, you wouldn't see the antenna, but if you will, a big dish absorbing everything that's going around her and then probably using her great customer service skills to determine, do I jump in on this or not? And there's a customer incubation period that we always say, they said they would call by 11. And our alarm clock goes off. We're back at work. We're doing our thing. And we haven't heard from you. Now we immediately start, could have been a five-star review, but now it's a four. And they used to be good. We all start making these crazy assumptions about why things aren't happening. Yes. So someone like in her position, and all of us can really benefit from that, but can kind of see if the person handling the job, the service advisor, or even the service manager, if they are doing something else that's taking their immediate attention, she can either try to help them take a message or let the client know that we will get back to them or pass it on to someone else that can help them. Okay. So people are listening and they're saying, wow, I can't believe she can afford this, an individual like that. How many service advisors do you have? We have two service advisors and then we have Taylor. So Taylor was our front office. She was the person that the first point of contact when people came in to our shop. And then since then, we've moved her to the second office and the service advisors are up front. But I would implore you to think about how can you not afford to do that, especially in today's world when it's so competitive and our clients, they have so many choices. It is. To me, she sounds like the perfect, you call her a client success rep. And I think it's a really sharp title for this role. It's a successor, but it is a support role. But she also realizes the importance in the retention piece. And if that customer has a great experience, that's where the retention piece starts. Definitely. I mean, don't we all want a great experience? If you think about going to a restaurant, if you have a bad experience and you may go back a second time, but you're not going to be that enthusiastic about it. You're already coming in from a from like a negative viewpoint. And so we want to do everything we can, not only capture the appointment 
on the initial call, which is very important. As we all know, our marketing dollars are hard at work, converting that call to an appointment. And then as we've learned also in the industry, their first appointment, how important that is, and even the second appointment to keep building on that relationship to really solidify that trust. Yeah. So that's what we're kind of talking about retention right now. So do you know in your CRM or do you know in your SMS system that this is the second or the third visit since they became a customer? And does that send off bells and whistles to you? So we don't have that function yet. We know that all the software is working on that, but we do check. We go through the day before and kind of do a rundown of the clients we have coming in for the following day. And so often we put that on the schedule that this is the client's second time at our location. To me, that would be a huge benefit to a software company to get a number somewhere on the screen next to the client's name or on the work order that says, could say just visits. And if you see visits one and you know you've got them booked for more work and it could have been work you offered up on a DVI in the past, that that sends a huge message to that counter. So we've got to ask our SMS people to start doing this for us. How many times have they actually had an invoice with us? You know, we do a little extra digging, but that would be very helpful to automatically know that. And a service advisor may or may not, but it depends on how many clients they have for the day. They can't remember everything. But as we've learned with recent studies about client behaviors, it's like that second and that third appointment are very important because if if somebody comes back to you three times within a short period of time, they feel that relationship more cemented. I wish I knew the figure. It's a big game changer for sure. Let's go back to the restaurant thing. You were just mentioning that. What if the service wasn't all that great, but the food was really marvelous? Would you go back? I probably would go back. However, wouldn't be my first choice. Or you know, when you go back, you're still just looking for reasons. We, we know that's how our mind works. Give them another shot. Maybe they fix their service problems. Maybe they found people. Maybe they have people with better attitudes. I'm a second chancer type of a person. But I think a lot of people know if you're not going to give me what I want right now, I'm just going to go find somebody that does. Share a real quick story that happened actually yesterday. We went out to a local breakfast place, but it was packed. We had to wait 20 minutes. There were seven of us, the grandkids, son, daughter-in-law, and Annie and Tracy. And this woman was fairly new in the job. And she says, listen, I'm still on my fourth day and I'm learning how to work the computer stuff. But she was incredible. And I couldn't quite tell because we've been there before if it was just her doing this or if it was some changes in the attitude toward customers inside this fairly large, well-known breakfast restaurant. And as we were getting ready to go, she said to us, would you like some take-home cups of milk for the kids? We were just blown away by that has never been offered before and my wife had a potato pancakes and she brought over the box so that Ann could take her leftovers home and in the box was a fresh applesauce and so when Ann opened it up and then she came home she goes you know she gave me applesauce she offered the kids milk to go cups for them to take and I says wow how different it's almost like if you can learn from those experiences and then bring them back to our shops and say what else is it that we can do to dazzle this individual I think we need to do that. I feel like business owners, like you just shared that story, everywhere we go, we're looking at things like, ooh, I didn't feel good how I was treated or yes, that made me feel good and I want to go back there. So I feel like when we bring a story back to our team, that is so much more powerful than us just listing a do's and don'ts of how to treat a client. I love 
to always experience things outside of our industry and then (laughs) pass judgment and say, my business doesn't reflect how poorly this one is run. Because look at all the people are going to walk away with not a good attitude, not a good experience. One of my pet peeves is when a client's come in the door, even if you are busy working with other, you know, if the service advisors are busy, is to not immediately make eye contact with that person. Yes, you're so right. When we go into a restaurant that is fairly busy, we didn't have a reservation, but we're just kind of looking for a table and it takes 10 minutes to recognize us. The simple thing is, hey, we're super busy. Give me a few minutes and I'll be right with you. Right there takes me off top dead center, just calms me. Because they've made a commitment. Because they made a commitment. Wow. Okay. Onboarding. Any special things you do to bring on a customer that's exceptional for your business? Well, we talk about this all the time and we're always uh, reviewing how we onboard a client. A couple of the things that we've recently talked about are the fact that when a client comes in or when we're talking to them on the phone, right? So that's maybe before they come in, we would want to set the expectation for what they're going to expect when they come in the door, right? I hope that's not exceptional. I hope that shops everywhere are doing that. Just like us, when we walk into something new and we have to get to know people, there's always a little bit of anxiety there. So if we can defuse them, let them know what's going to happen, how we do our inspections. And then also when they come in for that first appointment, we let them know what to do when they get there. When they're here, check out the drinks and the snacks. We have Wi-Fi, have a seat, or let them know that we will be in contact with them later if they're dropping it off. Something that we have been doing for a long time is we have a new client pack, little gift bag that we give at the first appointment. And it just has little goodies in it and some information about us. People love that. And we also have a follow-up, a different follow-up for our new clients. Would that be in the mail? Yes. So we have thank you cards that we send out to new clients and the packet itself, it's like a little drawstring bag, the new client gift we give to them in person if we see them and like explain what's inside of it. And otherwise we'll leave it in their vehicle. But Do a lot of peers that you have in the industry do stuff like this? Well, I think so, because I definitely didn't come up with it on my own. Ah, you stole shamelessly. How nice. That's right. And people have given their ideas. I can think of like five people that I've stolen those ideas from directly. So that are on these podcasts all the time. Perfect. I get it. Hey, obviously you come across to the industry and the stuff you've done here on podcast. Very professional. How hard do you have to work at being professional in to your customers? Obviously, we're not perfect, right? And we slip or someone could see us in a bad moment. But to me, professionalism is living with intention. Being a professional about something is being intentional. Like I have something I'm going to do. Think about if you're walking down the street. We talk about this here at our shop. You're walking down the street and you're just watching people. You could look and see who you could determine things about those individuals by looking at them and watching them, right? You see that someone you might think, oh, they work in the medical field. They're in scrubs. They look like they may be on lunch. They're getting their coffee. Or you see a business person with their bag and maybe their headphones in. Looks like they're ready for a meeting. You assume that they are doing their business on purpose. And I think that's a big deal for me and for our business is that being professional, we want to show them that we are taking this seriously. We care about the industry and them as clients. So 
that's a big deal is showing up. I love your definition, professionalism, living with intention. It's a great definition and something that you could coach to if you had to. We could look at somebody walking down the street and they could just have a sweatshirt and jeans on and tennis shoes. Maybe they're running errands. But if we see somebody, even as a woman, that's got like a necklace, she has shoes that match, you know that they didn't just throw it on. They planned to be there. They planned that outfit. And if they're serious about it, you're going to be serious about it. So So I walk in, you guys are living with intention. I'm looking and feeling this professionalism. What do I see? Well, you would see it's all involved in the client experience, right? So it's what you're smelling. It's what you're seeing. It's the colors. If there's clutter, the noise. So that's all something that we think about and try to make sure that that is on point for our clients. Follow Starbucks. Uniforms? So we do have somewhat of a relaxed uniform policy. We do have polos that the guys wear. Everybody can wear them if they would like to. I have a personal feeling about uniforms. <laughs> so I've passed, I've allowed people to, every the consensus, everyone to kind of give their opinion about it while we developed our policy. So we want to look like we're business professionals. In my particular business, our community and our demographic, it's like a casual appearance, but it's a very crisp, clean appearance. So I'd like to hear that. One of the things that I don't like, I've gone on record, is to see the blue on blue. To me, the blue work shirt and the blue pants, it's almost got that dirty connotation. We're greasing everything. We don't want you to see that. But every once in a while, you'll see a nice pair of maybe gray pants and or a a navy top with a collar, maybe a color on the collar or something like that. That really just tiny, but a, a little flare of professionalism there. Yeah. So that's what we do. We've evolved a little bit and rebranded. So ours is gray, charcoal gray, but we have like a lime green or a, just a grass green. That's our accent color. So, and then out in the shop, everybody wears, they wear black and it also has those accent colors of the bright green. It's fresh looking. Well, how nice. So you guys listen to service advisor calls at all, Nicole? We do. Yeah. That's really important. So we listen to the calls every week. And it's part of our audit system that we have. We did hire a company to listen to all our phone calls. We gave them some parameters just to make sure that we are hitting all of those very important things with our clients. And so you're getting the report back. Are you sitting down with your two service advisors? Maybe even you're sitting down with Taylor, right? And just going over, hey, this came up this week, you had a great week. This didn't go perfect, but we understand there's a lot of pressure on us that day. What's the follow-up like? Sure. So in the past, we've done it month by month and kind of there's been a few phone calls that we've played for the group or for specific individuals. And then we've set a goal for that month. Each person set a goal or as a team, we will set a goal. Like let's work on making sure we welcome the client specifically and thank them for their business. So we'll work on that. We just talked about this this morning, Carm, how, because we have a new service advisor, we have some new staff. We would like to start doing that monthly, individually to really get the most out of it. And so what we're going to do, and we started this a while ago, but is have them rate themselves. So listen to those phone calls. They know what we're looking for and then have them go and self-check and then we'll talk about it and then we'll set the goal because we know that when we hear it ourselves, it hits us differently. I know it sure does. I can go through a litany about all that and going back and listening to everything that I do and say, you could have done that better. Anyway, great. So how's business? It's good. This year has been a different year. We came off of 
COVID and we have been growing very fast the past three or four years. And we kind of, starting in November of last year, it just was like, boom, phone calls stopped. It was like, you drive around our town and there would be no cars anywhere. (laughs) So we've been following the climate, what people are doing with their vehicles, and we're readjusting all the time. So you got your marketing engine is working again? Yeah, we are evaluating things, making sure that we are meeting our clients' needs, right? We might not know that and they decide to go somewhere else, or maybe we're not as convenient as we need to be. So we've been looking at trends, things that people say to us, and we will all talk about that. What can we do? Are we being as convenient? Are we giving them the information? Are we giving them the options that they want? All of that. We just can't let it go. We have to keep at it. Are you calling clients back a couple, three days later? Yeah, we always do a follow-up. There's all the different opinions on this, right? So we have found that our follow-up is a text message. It's a personalized text message. And it's just something very quick. Hi, this is Nate. This is Taylor. Just wondering if you had any questions with your repair and if there's any anything we can help you with. And then that would give us them a chance to just say, I'm happy, I love it, or I don't know about this. And so then we call them, then we can call them and follow up and make sure we have everything handled. We did an episode recently called Overbooked. How far out are you guys? It depends on the week, obviously. It goes up and down. Right now, we get people in the same week because we're a yes business and we make sure that we have enough staff to be able to accommodate people. And we're fortunate to have that position right now. Good for you. Are you only doing Subarus? We are not. (laughs) We have trickled into other makes and there's going to be some fascinating, exciting news coming (laughs) for that. And we realize that to stay current, to stay relevant, that you have to work on other makes. So we are branching out in that. Change the name to Subi Guys and More? Mm, Well, we are definitely looking into all that. And hopefully here in another month, I'll have an announcement for you. Wow, cool. Oh, can't wait. I want to get invited to the press conference. Hey, this was great. Thank you for just going a quick Monday morning quarterback round with me here. Sure. Yeah. Always a pleasure talking to you. Always appreciated. And thank you for all your support to uh, get the word out on Breaks for Breasts. We appreciate that. Well, it's just coming up in October, breaksforbreasts.com. Look for this great episode we have coming out and for a, an incredible episode that we recorded and it's out on our YouTube channel, Carm Capriato YouTube channel. Subi Guys, Traverse City, Michigan, Nicole Benikoff. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.